0: What are you going to do, Commissioner?
1: There's only one thing we can do. Batman, sir, it's the phone. Yes, Commissioner. Batman, we'll be right there.
0: Biff, bam, pow. Batman. This is Batman land. Be careful. Maybe a trap. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show. We're
1: Batman and Robin, the crime fighters.
0: We discuss the episodes to air this week on SBS Vice Land. My name is Dan Barrett, I'm an editor here at SBS, and it is a very special Batman Land this week, where I'm joined here by my super friends, Fiona O. Williams and Nicholas O. Fiona, how the heck are you doing?
1: I'm grand, thanks.
0: Nicholas?
2: I um, am always happy to answer the
0: bat signal. And the bat signal is flashing.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. Anyway, appreciate your call of duty, because we are here to talk about Batman. We're here discussing two very special episodes... It's the episode's Marsha, Queen of Diamonds, to originally air on the 23rd of November 1966, and Marsha's Scheme of Diamonds, which aired on the 24th of November 1966, just a couple of years ago. Nicholas, I don't remember what the heck happened on this week's episode, as is my style. Please let us know what went on. Okay,
2: so... Marsha, Queen of Diamonds, is on a rampage. She's robbing jewelry stores.
1: With the Queen of Diamonds back in town, we've got to be on her toes. The
2: police are helpless to stop her. Let's take the rock and let the rhetoric go, shall we, darling? She has Chief O'Hara under a spell with a love potion. All I ask is the chance to be near you, Marsha. And she steals a pretzel diamond, which looks nothing like a pretzel. When Batman and Robin get involved, she tries to put them under her spell. Don't try to fight it, darling. Relax and worship me. Batman. And fights it Robin can't because he stinks I feel woozy she forces Batman to marry her Masha, Queen of Diamonds Mrs. Batman or she's going to keep Robin under the spell worship me
1: I said on your knees
2: Batman says no and Harriet pretends to be his ex-wife so he can't be a bigamist and can't get married I am not in the practice of marrying bigamists there's another fight She gasses them and turns them into toads with little capes. Dynamic duo? A pair of toads? Oh, what will become of Gotham City now? Turns out it was just a prank. Batman and Robin were there the whole time in the room.
1: Saints be praised. You're not toads after all.
2: They had to actually say, look at me. We're right over here, even though they're in the same room. And even though she's a criminal, aided and abetted crimes, Batman and Robin let Aunt Hilda go to teach a cooking class. Did I say ground lizard? I meant garlic,
0: of course. How about summing it up? Look, that sums it up. I don't necessarily want to question your synopsis there, Nick, but I did notice at one point you referred to Robin as stinking. And to my knowledge, to my understanding of the fine literary classics, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Mm. Robin Laid an Egg. That's true. I stand absolutely corrected. That's a rookie mistake. (laughs) It really was a rookie mistake. How many
1: episodes in Army now?
0: I know, you'd think you'd know by Mm -hmm. now, but here we are. Now, guys, at the beginning of the episode, we do get introduced to a number of cops, and interestingly, we've got an O'Leary. Well, Sergeant O'Leary, who we've seen a whole bunch of times. Nick, you claimed last week on the show he didn't exist. He was here in the episode. And I, I still maintain that he doesn't exist. <laughs> so it's kind of like the sixth sense, maybe. Yeah. yeah.
1: In terms of doing his job in Gotham City, he might as well not exist because exactly. he lets crimes
2: He's terrible,
1: happen right in front of his like eyes. Like
2: the rest of the cops.
1: Yep. Now, all the cops have
2: Irish names. Because all Irish people are cops.
0: Yeah, so we've got O'Leary, who I don't think is referred to by name, but he does mention O'Toole and O'Rourke. And then Goldberg, who's the stranger on the force.
2: Goldberg, look alive.
0: I think that the one cop being
2: named Goldberg is just a O-O-O, non-O name joke.
1: Yeah. Know what I mean? Sure. I think in the the 67 Batman, there's, of course, some unfortunate cultural caricaturing going on. Elsewhere in this episode, there's a Grand Mogul... Mystical man. Pretty weird, yeah. And this, uh, someone who looks like an extra from the Arabian Nights. It's, you know, this, this show is not renowned for its fantastic uh, handling of ethnic stereotypes. Yeah. So. It
2: teaches you how not to treat ethnicity, different ethnicities on a TV show. Sure.
0: yeah, That's why but, we're airing it. But at the same time, let's also acknowledge it was 1966, different times, and we can kind of say that they didn't necessarily have the same um, approach that we would today. What? I'm just saying contextualise it a little bit. So I it's did. not like it was an outlier. That's all I'm just putting out there. It's not an outlier series. I did. I know you did.
1: Let's just press on with that. Outrageous.
0: The episode, directed by James B. Clark. I want to mention him because he has directed a whole bunch of Batman episodes, but I noticed today he's also the guy that directed the 1963 Flipper movie, which oh. introduced Flipper to the world. Oh Man of God. many talents. Very much so.
2: How often are the is the director of the show, of the episodes, a a film, a notable film director?
0: There's a couple of them around the place. Like, essentially, there's a lot of journeyman directors through most of the directing pool for it. But you do get a couple of whom directed interesting things around the place. Uh, James B. Clarke, he was very much that typical journeyman director where he directed a whole bunch of TV shows and some low-rent movies here and there. So things like Flipper being a family film... Family films back then didn't really have the box office appeal, I guess, that your big family films do now. So often it was a lot of people who did that in between directing some other more low-rent gigs. You said that family films
2: didn't have box office appeal back then very confidently.
0: Oh, look, I mean, obviously they did well, but not to the point where they're driving a lot of the cinema attendance in the way they do these days. Bed
2: knobs and Broomsticks.
1: Sound of Music. I'm not saying they're right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is not the bed. i just of they're not up the
0: industry in the way that they do these days.
1: I loved this. Well,
2: that's a little bit strong.
0: I really liked these
2: episodes. I loved them more than um, usual. I think because there's a there was a notable increase in the pedigree of the performers. Carolyn Jones was really good. She's and, a
1: fantastic villain. I think.
2: Yeah, she was really great.
1: How dare
2: you reject Marsha, Queen of Diamonds? This is insufferable effrontery.
0: Originally, Zsa Zsa Gabor was supposed to be playing the uh, Martial yeah. Queen of Diamonds. You can tell. Uh, yeah, you could tell yeah. with all the darlings. Would that have been better? Because I think this worked out pretty well. She was really good
2: in it. But Zsa Zsa Gabor, I mean, that was her thing was the... The darling. diamonds and the husbands. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So she does come back in, well, come into the series towards the end oh, of the season. That so, line would have been written for Zsa Zsa Gabor, wouldn't it have?
2: Probably. Worked out for Carolyn Jones hey. too. Fantastic. Yeah,
0: Mind but, you, a lot of her other marriages were after this was shot, but <laughs> so okay. it came to be true. But yeah, we do have Zsa aboard at the end of the season playing Minerva, another unknown Batman villain. Excellent. Woody Strode, who plays the unfortunately
2: named, um, what's his name? Grand Mogul. Grand
0: yeah, Mogul. Mogul. Yes, sure, uh, highness. Woody Strode, he was actually a footballer, so I think he was a UCLA college footballer. Um, He had a bit of a movie career afterwards where he was in a whole bunch of John Ford movies. He was in the Ten Commandments. Big time movies.
1: Yeah, like real
0: movies, not like Flipper. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think the real star of the show is Caroline Jones though, yeah, as Marsha, Queen of Diamonds. She's fantastic.
0: Yeah, well, what I think elevates the episode more than a lot of the ones we see is usually the dynamic is you've got the big name villain for the week, and then there'll be some offsider. So usually we refer to them as the gangster's mole, like there's the villain's mole, and it's some unfortunate sort of twenty something woman who's ended up with this you know mob of villains around her. In this one, we don't actually have any sort of counter point there where there's no like male or female young something or other to like supplement the role of the villain rather you've got this sort of older lady and so it's a different dynamic than we usually see in these relationships and i thought that was kind of interesting
1: yeah well she has the offsider who's the mogul so i bet it's not the same kind of
0: uh... yeah it's different like it's kind of like the mogul is more like a lead henchman more than the you know criminal intelligentsia
2: she doesn't mustache twirl as much as your average um, bad guy on the show, she kind of plays it very straight with some
1: slight sarcasm. Very theatrical. So, I mean, of course she was Morticia Adams prior to this, three years prior to um, doing this Batman. That was when she um, emerged in the Adams family. And this is very much a riff on Morticia with the theatrical exaggerated enunciation. Yeah. um, Using her feminine wiles. You know, you can just imagine Gomez Adams kissing her up the arm, speaking French here. So it's not... It's not a huge departure from the Morticia character, but um, yeah, using her eyes and the whole Feminine Wiles plot, you know, having many pages. It's Totally. Yeah, she's having a ball with it. Yeah. And that, that's what makes it so much fun.
0: Yeah, and I think the final episode of The Adams Family actually aired at the beginning of 66, so mm-hmm. she really rolled straight from that show into this one. And I think maybe that's kind of why she stands out a little bit more, where she just had that rhythm of going from TV series to TV series, so... I don't know. I think she was just kind of a bit more in the game than you find with a lot of these actors who just jump from film to film and then have to spend a week on a set where you need to play at the same level as everyone else.
1: Mm. And there's a lot of one-liners in this one, and just some some funny moments. So, like I had a couple of laugh out louds
0: when she
2: uh, makes Batman fall in love with her.
0: Oh my god, Adam West's performance in that <laughs> very funny. <laughs> it started out, I'm like, oh, this is just a little bit tired. But then he just kept on going and getting weirder and stranger with his face. It's kind of yeah. hot. <laughs> yeah, he really falls for her. Yeah, he gets kind of sweaty, and He's uh, fighting it,
1: resisting it.
2: Yeah, that was very funny. <laughs>
0: Uh, the other scene I liked was the weird scene with O'Hara, Gordon, and Pennyworth in the office together. And they're talking about their wives and the excuses they'd come up with. And it seemed a little bit awkward. But then when Alfred starts really getting into his own to give them a little bit of advice, they start calling him on the fact that he's never been married and doesn't really understand the difference.
1: And funny, you should say, again. Nod to the fact that it was in 1967, but here it's where... 66. Well, okay, even better. <laughs> Here's where uh, Alfred, try, you know, is clearly The Bachelor and tries to make the distinction of women and wives. So there's some sort of departure between, you know, once you marry a woman, she ceases to be a woman and now she's a wife. So, you know, just, just putting it out that this is, again, 66 and eight years before Anne Summers's damned whores and God's police saying, came out, so maybe uh, some food for thought there.
2: What was that reference? Never mind.
0: <laughs> Things just got a bit literary. <laughs> the thing with Alfred as well is last week we learned that he spends most of his nights as the swinging bachelor on the town, hanging out with that tassels lady. That's right.
2: And when he was asked if he has ever been married, his he goes his face goes through a bit of a journey. He he's not quite sure uh, how to answer. Like he's got some secrets. Like maybe he's maybe he married tassels for a few minutes in Vegas. Alfred, have you ever been married? Uh, well, uh, no, no. And previously on a Batman Land episode, it was suggested by friend of the show, Benjamin Law, that Alfred might be gay.
0: Yeah, well, here's an interesting thought. Batman, and I don't know if this is something to do with the sexuality of Batman or if this is more just the codependency problem. Did you find a little bit strange when Alfred ends up meeting him in the chapel and there's the whole escaping from the wedding aspect? As soon as that happens, Batman's like, hey, look, I don't have Robin with me. Alfred, gentlemen, will you please come for a ride with me in the Batmobile? What is that about? He needs an offsider. He doesn't explain why he needed somebody. It's just like you're a, you're an eligible
2: gentleman, come along. Why doesn't anyone question that Batman's ex-wife is
1: someone who's twice his age? Looks like Current his mother's wife because the whole point is it's bat- bigamy. Yeah, they're still yeah. married. <laughs> that was amazing and apparently it was Aunt Harriet's idea. So, you know, She comes out with a good one every so often.
2: I was really (laughs) hoping that Anne Harriet would suggest, I guess we finally need to consummate our marriage.
1: (laughs) It sort of looked like I might have been leading up to that. Um, And there was a good gag from Carolyn Jones as well as Marsha when Batman was obviously a reluctant groom about, don't worry, everyone feels nervous the first time. Yes. And a little nod because she herself was married four times, Carolyn Jones. Oh, is that Um, it? Yeah, including Aaron Spelling. Oh, nice. Aaron Spelling? Yeah. That poor woman. Early on. Yeah, Yeah, so it was a nice little nod to much married people having been down this path before. Oh, good
2: catch. I didn't know that. I thought it was just a throwaway gag and it was still pretty funny.
0: Uh, One of the moments I liked was the just married sign on the back of the Batmobile with all the cans on there. (laughs) And when Batman and Alfred came running out, I guess kind of graduate style, when they come running out of the front of the chapel, they got like people throwing rice at them.
2: (laughs) It was very nice. Nice. Who were the people that showed up to Batman's wedding?
1: I sort of wondered the same thing. It was a bit of a renter crowd because who invited them?
2: Are they friends of the bride or the groom? <laughs> who was that lady with the red plastic hat?
1: Who are these people? They're available pretty quickly too because it was scheduled for that <laughs> afternoon. So yeah, <laughs> so at a short minute, short notice, they got their hair and makeup done, got yeah. their best hats, and showed up for the wedding. No, <laughs> and did not seem shocked when Alfred and Aunt Harriet came yeah. bowling down the aisle. Oh
0: right, there's the ex-wife, of course. That. Well, they probably don't know who these people are, because don't forget, any time that Batman's involved in new people, he always has to explain who he is. I'm Batman, B-A-T-M-A-N. There's a lot of that going on. So I presume this is maybe for the 2 o'clock wedding, and it's 1.30 in the afternoon, they're having the quick we- quickie weddings so they can officially get married and then go. So you've just got all these strangers of whom are seeing this cowed man marrying this beautiful woman, and then when the old guy and the older lady come through, like, they don't care what's going on. They just want to see, like, their niece come through.
1: I also wonder about the legality of the marriage anyway, had it happened, because that minister didn't ask, does anyone object? And that would have been the in for... They came in... Yeah, that's right. You know, The timing was not great, and I don't know that this was a legally binding... What so was they what need to
0: get, Like, do they need to get out their driver's license as well, like to prove who they are and that they've got a relationship prior? Like, there's a lot of box that needs to be ticked here.
2: And what was the denomination of that church? It was a wedding chapel, a little chapel like a one in uh,
1: Vegas, little chapel of the vows.
0: It was a bat chapel. Interesting moment at the very beginning of the episode where we see not Batman and, well, not Bruce and Dick upstairs in the parlor where Dick's being taught an important lesson, but rather the downstairs in their, you know, crime-fighting costume. And they're working on a hydraulic bat press where they're working on the bat diamond, which is a diamond they apparently manufacture within the bat cave. The bat diamond is apparently more pure than an actual diamond. And the excuse given is that this is what's used to power the Batcave. But I'm wondering, is this what's used to actually fund Batman and Robin's crime fighting as well? Because that's a pretty big diamond. It's a
1: mega diamond, yes. How how would it
2: fund it? They just chip a little bit off and uh, get cash for it?
0: I guess so. Or maybe they offer it as the large diamond that it is. And then one of the unfortunate sort of racial stereotype characters comes from overseas to buy the diamond.
1: And I'm all for alternative energy sources, but I don't quite understand how the Bat-diamond can power... Also, Why do you hate science?
2: <laughs> didn't didn't Jill
0: St. John die in the nuclear reactor that powers the Batcave? No, no. So the nuclear reactor powers the Batcave. The diamond powers the bat computer. Oh. I mean, everyone knows that you can't power a computer Just with nuclear energy.
2: It. Right. Got it.
0: Someone that I want to point out is at the very beginning when we're in the jewelry store, uh, you've got the jewelers who put the pretzel diamond into a really cheap paper bag. Doesn't which look I like was, a pretzel. It doesn't look like a pretzel. I mean, you'd maybe sell... It barely looks like
1: a diamond. But the paper bag
0: looks like the sort of bag you'd sell pretzels in.
2: Yeah, that's the gag, I guess.
0: Yeah, very weird. But I just wanted to bring to your attention one of the two guys, you had the two jewelers there. One of them, I'm not sure who the guy was, but the other one's actually got a really interesting later career where he spent a lot of his time playing sort of weird bit roles. But right towards the end of the role, his name's Hank Robinson, and he's probably best known for playing the first base umpire in the Naked Gun movie. What? But towards the end of his career, he played the following roles. He played a Yankee umpire in Brewster's Millions. <laughs> he played umpires in Quantum Leap, Beverly Hills 90210, what? Murder she wrote, Taking care of business, Simon and Simon, Perfect Strangers, The Babe, and about four or five other titles hey, where he played umpires. He got the good umpire
2: gigs. That's amazing. That's the best <laughs> fact to ever come out of this show. When
0: you get typecasts as an umpire in Hollywood, like you are set. Wait, so in Naked Gun,
2: was he the one that was where he and the other umpire were fighting each yeah, other? Yeah,
1: at the first base. I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. The more you know. Very
0: much so. I've had a very productive work day.
2: <laughs> I connected to these episodes in a very personal way because Estelle Winwood, who plays Aunt Hilda. Yeah. She is in um, my favorite Neil Simon movie, Murder by Death, Mm -hmm. which holds up remarkably well despite some very questionable racism. But it's got Peter Falk, Alec Guinness, uh, Peter Sellers, and Truman Capote. It's hilarious. And she plays an old uh, nurse and she's very funny. And that movie is very funny. It was just a I've never seen her in anything else. It was great.
1: She was in an episode of Bewitched again, playing another aunt, like a witchy aunt. So, sort of, <laughs> she found her lane in that in the '60s sitcoms. Yeah, great face, like yeah. amazing character face.
0: I really liked the character of Aunt Hilda, and I liked where she was really intense on pushing her academic bona fides, <laughs> where she hit on mentioning. And this yeah, is the second Vass- reference. Working for- at Vassar. <laughs> That's right, working at ba- Vassar.
2: When Vassar's an all-women's school. So somebody, kn- somebody just knew somebody at Vassar. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's a funny word. (laughs) Now, a question, and this maybe comes back to the sexuality of Batman, because I will not leave it alone, but Robin falls under the spell of uh, Marsha, Queen of Diamonds. Mm -hmm. Okay, do you think that maybe instead of going through the rigmarole of the marriage and trying to do things through the legitimate way there, that Batman could have just broken the spell if he just kissed Robin straight out? Isn't it how fairy tales work? I don't... I don't think so.
2: Explain the science to me. Well, these love, the way these love, this love potion appeared to work is you were only in love with um, Marsha, so the only thing that would break that
0: spell is
1: well, some the, other
2: spell or... It was also a chemical spell, connection. A
0: greater love. What greater love is there than between Batman and Robin? Checkmate, Nicholas. I guess so. I guess
2: so. I was disappointed that they didn't um, fight more. Well, they just kind of give up. Batman just gives up.
0: He had a successful battle where he fought the love potion. Did he not see the internal bat- battle happening mm, within Adam that's West?
2: That's true. I, I mean, definitely saw that.
0: After all, he did manage to break free and he said, I'm not even mildly interested. That, to me, was a great triumphant battle.
2: I was disappointed when he said that. I wanted him to be interested
0: Hey, here's a question. Straight after that happens, you've got the uh, idea that they should get married because the belief is that it's like a rule of the Batcave that if he doesn't know the person, yeah, yeah. then they can't come in. But, you know, if she's his wife, then that's okay. But what about all the other strangers that events entered the Batcave in the time that we've been watching this show? That's right. In the very first episode, you've got Jill St. John who sneaks into the Batcave that's as right. the Lady Robin.
2: There was the woman that he gassed and uh, brought over to extract information from. Yeah, there was She's a penguin. She's a stranger. Penguin's been there. Everybody's been there.
0: Yeah. It's a revolving door of strangers. Was Commissioner Gordon O'Hara in the Batcave at one point as well? Yeah, I believe so. So what the hell are they yeah. talking about? I mean, in fairness, the commissioner isn't a stranger. But Is it on.
2: possible that Batman married all of those people? <laughs> Did we met?
1: Any of them could have shown up at the office. Maybe that was in the movie. Probably. You didn't see the
0: movie? No, I have seen the movie. But I don't remember any of it. Okay, guys, I want to maybe dwell on the fact that we have a really interesting guest star in this week's episode, Carolyn Jones. Carolyn Jones immediately recognisable as the iconic Morrissey Adams. So she was in sixty-eight episodes of the Adams Family. Uh, she also played the role only once, one other time, which was as a voice in the new Scooby Doo movies.
2: What the new? Which ones?
0: There was a series of cartoons in the 60s or yeah, 70s. the Scooby-Doo ones. The Scooby-Doo movies. And she played more Shraddams than that. They're called the Scooby-Doo movies? That's what the series was called. Oh, gee, that's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Uh, Batman and Robin were featured characters on one of yes, the of movies. of course. Of yeah. course.
2: Isn't there a big, wider Adams Family connection to this
0: show? Didn't, didn't we? Well, we were discussing this on last week's episode yeah. because you've got, I want to say his name is John Cassidy, who plays Lurch. He plays Lurch coming out of one of the windows. Yes, right. Okay, so that must be early this season. Uh, and then also, I was saying that John Aston, who played Gomez Adams, appears later in the season as the Riddler.
2: And he's related to Sean Aston.
0: Yeah. Now a correction for what I told you last week: in that he is Sean Aston's father, but my correction is not biological father. He adopted him, but from like quite young. So for all intents and purposes, it's his dad, but not biological. So Gomez adopted. Sean Aston. Star of the Goonies. The Goonies, Sean Aston. Two Soldiers, Lord of the Rings.
2: That's still, that's even more impressive.
0: Yeah. I've met Sean Aston, <laughs> but the whole Gomez thing didn't come up in conversation. Would it now? It definitely would now. Because <laughs> I regret it. It's yeah, been it's my biggest regret since. Unbelievable. But anyway, we've got Carolyn Jones, of whom is in this, and I was surprised to find out she would only played Morticia in the two different programs because the New Adams Family was a series in the eighties, which I thought she would have been a part of, but she died in the early eighties, so I guess that was what yeah. was the eighties I... one. Uh, it was like a colorized attempt to bring back the Adams Family. And yeah. who were
2: the who were they then? Well, who I'm, played them then? I'm pretty sure most of the co- well, oh, John Andy was
0: back, and I'd say Cassidy was probably back as well. Uh, the kids are obviously much older and uh, moved on by that point.
1: And of course, she would have obviously missed the the film adaptations, the Barry Sonnenfeld films, where um, Angelica Houston did a great Morticia. But with a nice yeah. nod to Caroline Jones too. They were, they were good films. Uh,
0: Caroline Jones for her superhero bona fides. Uh, she was also Wonder Woman's uh, mother in um, the Wonder Woman TV show.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. I was going to. Yes.
0: Well, do you want to try to pronounce her surname? Because I can never do it. Queen Hippolyte. Hi, oh, Hippolyte. Hipp-
1: Hipple- Hippolyte.
0: Hippolyte. Hippolyte. Yeah. Hippolytes. Hung- no, I don't hippolytes? want to. <laughs> yeah. So she was in two Wonder Woman episodes. So the first, uh, like the pilot episode, which is the two-part episode, and then she came back later in that first season. Uh, but I was thinking maybe more in terms of like 1960 sitcoms because I was watching this and I just started thinking about all these great shows I was watching when I was a kid, and just like the many hours I've wasted away, it's come in good service for me later in life as a TV cultural commentator. <laughs> However, I mean, a lot of hours wasted. And I'm sure you guys probably spent a lot of time watching these same ridiculous shows. And so what's your 60s go-to shows? So these are the shows that are usually on in the afternoons when we were kids. You could never really escape them. For me, it was Get Smart. That was one of the main ones. Um, Adam's Family was pretty big for me. And also I Dream of I'd say those are the three big ones. But what about you guys, Nick?
2: Um, I watched a lot of Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Um, and Bewitched for some
0: reason. Okay, bewitched or I dream of genie, both. What's your what's your choice though? Because you can like them both, but you can't like them equally.
2: I. That's right. That's that's a rule. It is. Um. I am going to go
0: with bewitched. Follow up question: Are you much of a get smart person? No, no. I don't think I've ever watched it. In fact. Okay, I've got a theory on this, but Fiona I was wants... a get
1: smart. Um, bewitched by by a long margin. I mean, I like I Dream of Genie. You like Get
0: Smart and you're also more of a Bewitched person. Yeah, totally. Because my theory has always been that I always connected to I Dream of Genie more than Bewitched because I really liked the sort of young swinger sort of mm-hmm. 60s vibe around it all and I never liked Bewitched so much because it was really like a homebody very domesticated TV show and so I really connected to Get Smart because it's got that same sort of vibrant 60s vibe around it but yeah. you've just threw my Well sorry you just have
1: to go back to the drawing board there yeah no I well Bewitched came first and of course that was a nice little metaphor of the times of a woman having her innate powers uh, but also juggling the home life and trying to keep her husband's fragile ego intact while she tried to still be her her own Woman um, mm. was a nice metaphor of the women trying to do have it all at the time as well. Uh, and I Jamie Jeannie came along a little bit later and was a little bit more retrograde in that there was a literal master slave relationship. You yeah, could yeah, pop her in the bottle and have it by the hi-fi. But yeah, I liked I, I liked the swing sixties vibe to it as well, all the astronauts at the NASA base. But yeah, very much bewitched for me. The Jetsons. I watched the Jetsons a lot.
0: I never mind the Jetsons, I was more of Flintstone's person because obviously you can only like one or the other.
1: But see, I, I Loved Adam's family, but also I was a fan of the monsters. And they were almost like your chalk and cheese as well.
2: No. no. Oh, what's the, the, the difference between the who were the monsters
0: again? Well the monster's Oh, be-
2: they were all yeah, Eddie Munster. The goofy Frankensteiny Yes. Herman. Oh, Adam's family is much better. Right? I know,
1: right. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but I got a rip-off. Is that right? It was it, must have been. it was your pe- Coke and your Pepsi, yeah. It was um Monsters and Adam's family. Did you watch Alfred Hitchcock Presents? Much later, yeah, more in more in my teens. Bit of Twilight Zone, but yeah, if we're talking sitcoms and yeah, yeah that was, like it was Bewitched and Monsters and Adam's Family and Genie and. Gets now, Man. Dan,
2: you've always loved Rawhide. I don't think
0: I've ever seen Rawhide. Yeah, me neither. What about the Brady Bunch? Yeah, I was thinking about the Brady Bunch, but that's technically like 1969. A later. And oh, is it late? When I think about yeah. the Brady Bunch, I always think of it more like the 1970s rather than. A what about yeah, Star same. Trek? Star Trek always gets lost in my mind as being a 60s show. I've watched so much original Star Trek in my life, and yet I never really think about it being placed to a specific decade, probably because it's a show set in the future and it sort of feels like something other, but also like you'd watch Lost in Space and that's clearly the 1960s and I never separate that, so I don't know why Star Trek's different in my mind. It just is back to
1: bewitched for a second i i also loved the revolving cast of guest characters which you know it sort of connects with batman as well i mean yeah, yeah. i don't know if paul lind has ever done a batman episode but <laughs> he needed to because it could do with a bit of uncle arthur magic sometimes yeah, i don't
0: think paul lind does a batman
1: yeah more yeah. the
0: pity i mean we had liberaci the other week but Didn't it's not quite ever. the same
1: and liberaci too yeah twins
0: yeah because Chandel and harry <laughs> so flipper was a tv show as well yeah So there was the movie and then a year afterwards they launched the TV show and the director, James B. Clarke, he did a whole bunch of the TV show.
1: We've talked about the guest stars on Batman. Did anyone from Batman guest on some of these? Did Adam West ever show up on Genie, for instance? Like, not really.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you've got, obviously, Batman and Robin appeared on the new Scooby-Doo movies. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, you never really saw Adam West or Burt Ward pick up those roles around the place. Like, when they actually appeared on screen, much like the aforementioned gentleman as the umpire and everything we've ever seen. <laughs> Like They were pretty much just Batman and Robin for mm. a few years to follow. So, I mean, Adam West, I'm pretty sure in the early 80s, had another TV show for a little bit, but got canceled quickly and no one really remembers it. But by and large, they were pretty thoroughly typecast. Mm-hmm. He was in Maverick. Was that before Batman, though? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then he
0: was always oh, in Bonanza. That was a huge show. Pre-Batman. Yep. He's in tons of shows. It's really interesting watching Adam West's career because you see him appear as Batman in a whole lot of late night variety TV shows and he's often there as Batman and you'd never see that with an actor of whom's typecast these days and I think these days a lot of actors have learnt from people like Adam West where when you get caught up in a phenomenon as a specific character you want to break away from that stereotype as much as possible. So, I mean, both him and, I mean, William Shatner suffered the same thing as well, mm. where like Adam West, they were featured day players on so many shows through the 50s and 60s, but then as soon as they broke it big in their one sort of main role, it was hard for them to really find the other work. It was really in the 80s for Shatner as well, like he started doing TJ Hooker? Hooker. Booker? Hooker. 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 Him and Heather Locklear. Uh, as soon as he started doing that show, he was able to find a new identity for himself. People still remembered him as Captain Kirk, but he was definitely still, you know, viable at that point. Adam West never quite had it though. Yeah.
2: By seventy-eight, he was still playing Batman in a TV series called Tarzan and the Super Seven.
0: Was he really? Ba- like, surely that's a cartoon show.
2: I don't know. It'd have to be. Uh, he was. Have you seen the New Adventures of Batman? Well, that's a cartoon series. That was cartoon series. Yeah.
0: So Adam West and Burt Ward both did a lot of voice work as Batman and Robin, for quite a few years to follow. In fact, I think Adam West's last uh, on-screen role was uh, doing some voice work in a Batman cartoon recently. And he was on Murphy Brown. He was probably one of her secretaries. Mm. At the end of every Batman Land, we like to discuss what we learned from this week's Batman, because quite frankly, there's a lot to take away. And where better to learn than Fiona O. Williams? Oh, hello. Well,
1: I learnt that I need to get my hands on some of that general all-purpose antidote that Batman's carrying around that gets you out of all sorts of scrapes, including being cast in a love spell and being besotted with Marsha Queen of Diamonds. Handy to have. And it's hard to get good quality newts.
2: Those newts I've been getting lately. are very
1: poor quality.
2: <laughs> Story of my life. I know, right? My biggest takeaway was that um, there's no danger uh, with the power off. At the beginning, Robin is concerned about... uh, Oh, we're
0: now working on the back compressor and the diamond.
2: Yeah, yeah, but the power's off, so uh, I don't know, was worried about getting electrocuted or something? I don't know.
0: Well, it's obviously a pretty big concern because that's a really big button or, like, crank that Alfred was handling.
2: Uh, And it's just so true. I would just leave the power off on so many things and you avoid all kinds of problems.
0: I learned something, and it's very specific to Aunt Hilda and her source of magic, so I don't really know how I applied it in my day-to-day life, but I did learn that bats have a very strong resistance to occult powers. And immediately, I can't see how I can use that in my day-to-day, but it'll come up at some point, I'm sure.
1: You never know. Just store it away in that little pocket of your mind. Indeed. One day, that will save you.
2: We've all learned something from this little escapade, have we not? And now, if you'll excuse me, I am be getting back to my duties at Wayne Manor.
0: Fiona Williams, Nick Bessine, thank you very much for partaking in this week's Batman. It's been a pleasure. I won't hear another word. Thank you. you're too much. But guys, let us all maybe thank our producer, Jeremy Wilmot. I'm sorry, who? Never heard of him.
2: That's a fair question.
0: Anyway, he's some guy. He he edits it later. You'd never even heard of him. It's fine.
2: You can find Jeremy on Twitter at loopedbatpoles. I think that account's been suspended. I bet
1: that's taken. Fiona, you're on Twitter. Where do people find you? You can find me at anything but Fifi. Nicholas?
2: Uh, you can find me at, I'm not even mildly interested, at Nick Messine.
0: You can find me on Twitter at the Dan Barrett. If you are using the social media, do use the hashtag Batmanland. It helps people find the show. And you know what, guys? People have actually been using it of late. There was a bit of conversation there the other day. And
2: what have they been saying? Are they misspelling something
0: else? (laughs) Are they calling us out on all our factual errors? Uh, There was a guy named Steve Shiners or Shiners, and he was talking about an episode that you were on, Fiona, where Uh there was the Aunt Harriet moment where she was decorating the backyard, and there was the concern about it being Japanesey. Yes, was the phrase that she used? Very much. We were somewhat concerned with the phrase, but he came up with a definition for it on Wiktionary, which pointed out that Japanesey, if that's how it's pronounced, is a Japanese woman, a female inhabitant of Japan. So maybe she wanted it to be very female Japan rather than yeah. I think that's maybe. It's a bit. What's
2: much. the expression nice bit. and nice and easy lemon squeezy Japanesey? That type what's of that kind of it, thing. That's not expression? how it's used. It's not.
1: No, she was just saying I, I had a decorator. Right I wanted to make it Japanesey. Oh. That's not in relation to that's a woman. It's even worse. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't. Oh I appreciate God. your effort, Steve, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just got—I was triggered just now. It was a good deep dive, uh, and then also a gentleman CPW pointed out a couple of things and for a wha- dubs. For a while, there were just about thirty-five different tweets about auto promotion movies, because of course he was Egghead. Uh,
1: no, he was Mr. Freeze.
0: Sorry, that's correct. Sorry, all these don't old- leave that in,
1: Mr. Freeze. Don't edit that out.
0: All these old white guys look the same to me. No, that's Welcome unfair. to my world that's unfair because Vincent Price was a beloved regular cast member on the show Otto Preminger never got invited back again also uh, CPW had mentioned that the Batman producers always had a Penguin script ready to go whenever Burgess Meredith had a free week and he thinks that maybe there's too many Penguin plots <laughs> and I tend to agree a little bit on that one not wrong there cpw if you do like the show leave reviews on your podcast platforms of choice helps other people find the show and as of this week we're also available on TuneIn. so if that's a platform you like using give that a bit of a listen there which subsequently means we're also now available on google homes so <laughs> if you're making your breakfast in the morning you know just shout out to your google home and say likes to listen to the batman land podcast up will come don't you have to say hey google yeah probably hey google now have people listening to it on their devices it's probably triggered something else (sighs) folks we'll be back next time same Batman Land time same Batman Land channel and next week our favourite villain Shame what? it's an actual villain named Shame it's not the experience of Shame like we have with every Batman Land
2: it's not the Michael Fassbender movie
0: different movie
1: we'll get to that
0: stay tuned Those were tweets. Yeah. Hashtag did you, Land. Did you retweet them? Uh, I liked them.
1: Retweet, man.
0: Retweeted, right there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are we doing here? But yeah, you'll occasionally get people with recommendations for guests and stuff coming through, and really, yeah, That's people great. listen
1: to this. Yeah, apparently,
0: <laughs> it's baffling. It's
1: amazing. Yeah, we should make more of an effort.
2: I, I, really I should. I, did, <laughs> I wasn't even aware this was going out on the internet. <laughs> Yeah. Not even I just like it. hanging <laughs> out with you just guys It's complete total distribution yeah. Yeah. Corporate comms
1: Yeah, it's just okay. something to do when you're at work yeah. you know? <sighs> Let's get out
2: of here